change makers. You see them all around you. They're in your communities, your schools, your workplace. They do powerful things and they make change happen. In this series, we interview the many change makers who built up their policy toolkits at Princeton and went on to change their communities. These are their stories. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Changemakers. Today I'm speaking with Dennis McBride, who's the 17th mayor of Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, which is right outside of Milwaukee. Before becoming mayor, Dennis served 10 years on the Wauwatosa Common Council and two terms as council president. He also served as chair of the council's Financial Affairs Committee and the Transportation Affairs Committee. A lawyer by training, Dennis served as a law clerk to a U.S. district judge and spent 24 years as a senior trial attorney and supervisory trial attorney for the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. He also worked as a public relations manager for a Fortune 500 corporation. A native of Wauwatosa, he graduated from Tosa East and earned a journalism degree from UW-Milwaukee. He also earned his master's degree in public administration from Princeton in 1980 and a law degree from New York University. So you're the mayor of Wauwatosa in the great state of Wisconsin. I'd love to just hear more about this region that you represent and sort of how you got to this point in your career. I was born in Milwaukee uh, and raised in Wauwatosa. Wauwatosa is Milwaukee's oldest suburb. Milwaukee is a metropolitan area of about 1.6 million people. Wauwatosa is perhaps the second most significant city in that region because we our assessed property value is second highest to Milwaukee in the county, I just found out. We are in the pretty much in the center of the region. If you looked at a bullseye, you'd see Wauwatosa. So uh, we have the state's largest medical center. We have major industrial plants. We have major financial institutions. And we're the leading retail center in the state of Wisconsin. So if we're talking about this in boxing terms, Wauwatosa punches well above its weight. Sounds like And our it. weight is 48,500 people. So, I mean, could you provide us a sort of a brief overview of your career and sort of what got you to this mayoral position? As I said, I grew up here and I always intended to be a public servant. My mother was vice chair of the state Democratic Party during the Kennedy administration. She later was a political reporter. My parents were both uh, newspaper reporters, so I say that I'm a product of the Milwaukee Journal Company. My mother particularly raised us all to be uh, interested in public service. And so I decided that in college, I'd become a journalism major, which is a good liberal arts background. That was at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. I then went to NYU Law School and Princeton for my master's in public administration. I thought that combination of those three degrees would make me well-suited for the job of a public servant. In law school, I clerked for Congress. I was an intern for Congress in Washington. I then worked for a federal judge for a year out of law school. I worked for the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for over 24 years. So I spent a long career in federal government. At the same time, I worked in uh, civic uh, volunteer situations in my community. I served on the Wisconsin State Retirement Board for three years, I, and I've done a million different things in Wauwatosa. So I guess all signs pointed to me eventually running for mayor. That makes sense. Uh, A lot of our students and alums talk about that sort of life of public service through, you know, the mentors they had, whether it be parents, teachers, et cetera. So that's a a common theme 
here at Princeton. You know, I know you're working toward making Wauwatosa uh, grow in a more fiscally responsible way. So I guess that means balancing economic growth while also maintaining strong neighborhoods and quality city services. Can you tell me more about this goal and maybe some of the other pressing policy issues that you're working on right now? Well, Wisconsin has a, a backward fiscal policy uh, with respect to its municipalities. Uh, we have uh, property tax levy caps, which only allow us to increase our property tax levy by 1% a year. Inflation is always more than 1% a year. So if this went on year after year, sooner or later, we'd be laying off firefighters and police officers and garbage collectors. So the only out they give us is either to go to referendum, which wouldn't be successful, or to increase our property tax base with redevelopment. Fortunately, Wauwatosa has had a lot of properties to redevelop. We have a lot of old industrial properties. And because we are, because the state's largest medical center is here, it throws off a lot of family supporting jobs. Because we're in the middle of the metro area, a lot of people like to live in Wauwatosa, commute to downtown Milwaukee or to the outer suburbs. So we, uh, we have a tremendous demand for housing an unmet demand for housing in Wauwatosa. And that demand has allowed us to redevelop property to keep up with our need to increase our uh, property tax levy. That's what's kept us afloat, but it's a year-to-year structural budget gap that we have to fill, and it makes it difficult. We are much better off than a lot of communities because, again, we are a desirable redevelopment spot, and we have a lot of family sporting jobs. We have Victorian homes and beautiful arts and crafts homes and things, and people want to live here, but the challenges are great for a municipal uh, official in, in Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, I live in the one of the most expensive states in the country, so hearing that where the property taxes just climb and climb every year, so that's right. a really interesting problem. Like we I- also have a, a much uh, too great uh, reliance on the property tax. So in Milwaukee County, uh, the Republican legislature, I hate to be partisan about it, the Republican legislature over the years keeps punishing the city of Milwaukee because it's democratic. And Milwaukee County is a, is a part of that. And what that means is that uh, it keeps cutting shared revenues, which comes from uh, income tax collections. And our parks are suffering, our, our transit system is suffering, and uh, and the reliance on the property tax is killing us. So we have to diversify. I'm curious what you think it takes in this day and age to be an effective policymaker or leader or government official? Well, first of all, it takes a very thick skin. And uh, it, it's very hard to be an elected official these days. Everything is polarized. People are nasty. A lot of people are nasty, not everyone. Um, you, you have to keep your focus on what, what it is you're trying to do. People have said to me, well, you're going to run for the Senate. Are you going to run for governor? Are you going to run for this, run for that? I suppose I could, but I'm going to be 68 years old in two weeks, and um, my expiration date is going to run out pretty soon. I don't have a vision to do that. When I was younger, I may have had that vision. But the point I'm making here is that you can't worry about your job. You have to worry about doing what's right. And I will tell you, I've gone through one of the toughest years that any mayor could go through over the last year, 2020, was a real challenge. The mayor of Milwaukee, Tom Barrett, who's a friend of mine, just got appointed uh, ambassador to Luxembourg, of all things, has said to me many times, I've never seen another mayor go through so much hell in his first year. 
except for the 10% of the people on the extreme left and the 10% of the people on the extreme right, uh, the people in the middle have been highly supportive of what I've done and what we're doing in Wauwatosa. So um, the thick skin is necessary because you get the naysayers. But um, uh, Mark Twain was the one who said, always do the right thing. It will delight your supporters and astonish the rest. That's what I'm here for. I don't need the job. If I needed the job, I would have stayed with my day job. I retired from my day job a few years ago to focus on this. So if if you if your goal is to become president of the United States, well then you'll you'll always be cutting the corners and trying to figure out how to please everybody, but you can't do that. Well, two things. I can see you and you do not look 68. I would have never <laughs> guessed you. that. <laughs> um Thank number, you. number two. I hear what you're saying about the role of mayor being difficult over this past year. I live in a community that has 60,000 people in New Jersey and the mayor, I mean, the work I could see him even putting in just via as a, you know, as a citizen watching what he was doing on Facebook, the updates he was providing. He's also a doctor. So that was really helpful, but it, it was a, it was a remarkable year to say the least. So Thank well, you. here's what we faced in Wauwatosa. I became mayor on April 21st, 2020. We already had a full-blown global pandemic. So I walked into, even before I became mayor, when I got elected, the few weeks between my election and my swearing in, I was meeting with other county officials to uh, figure out how to have a coordinated response to the pandemic. Mask uh, mandates, uh, vaccinations, whatever uh, and, and that has continued to the present. Every month we get an update from our, our different health officers from around the county. At the same time, we had a police officer in Wauwatosa who, uh, who's coincidentally African-American who shot and killed three men of color over the last uh, the five previous years, including 2020, early in 2020. When George Floyd got murdered, that touched off almost daily protests in Wauwatosa. Uh, 31 nights of protests at my house alone, insisting that we fire the police officer, even though under state law, I don't have authority to, to discipline police officers that's given to a police and fire commission. Uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin is 40 miles away from Wauwatosa. That exploded in riots in late August, and uh, that caused the governor and me to call out the National Guard in October when the district attorney made a decision on, on the officer in Wauwatosa. We had five nights of the National Guard in Wauwatosa. At the same time, we had a kid get hit by a train in, in our village area, we call it. Um, and then uh, just when we dealt with the police officer and got him to agree to a separation package the next day at the state's premier shopping mall in Wauwatosa called Mayfair Mall, uh, a 15-year-old shot eight people. Fortunately, nobody died. So I was taking calls from the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, a Japanese broadcasting company, you name it. And then as, as if that wasn't enough, in December, we had a, a mentally ill woman attack people in our old village retail area and uh, the police had to shoot her and fortunately she survived. But that was my 2020. I don't even so, know what to say to that. How did you, how did you get through that? The most important part of my day was um, my daily mile swim or my daily run. I do that. I do a run one day and a swim the next day, and I keep doing that. And 
I jump in the water and I'm extraordinarily frustrated. By the 10th lap, I'm usually mellowing out quite a bit. But um, that and the fact that people would come up to me on the street, uh, drop handwritten notes on the door, bring flowers and cakes, uh, whatever it is, that kept me afloat. I had a black gentleman come up to me at a grocery store two days before Christmas. And he said, Mayor McBride, and he recognized me even with the mask on. And that's because I've been on TV so darn much. Uh, people recognize me all over the place. I always say I can't rob a bank anymore because they recognize me even with a mask. Um, but he came up and he said, Mayor McBride, I just want you to know you're doing a great job. And I said, thank you. And he said, I, I'm a preacher. He said, you can't please everybody. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's the sort of thing that kept me going. Well, it goes sort of back to what you said about worry about doing what's right and focusing on what's right. You know, this might be a good time for me to ask sort of what you've learned throughout this varied career. And even in just this past year alone, what sort of skills, strategies, lessons would you want to share? Well, the best lesson is the one that my father taught me repeatedly when I was younger. Um, I'll try to clean it up for the home folks. He said, never get into a spraying contest with a skunk. My dad was a newspaper reporter for 49 years. The obvious lesson is if you get into a contest like that with a nasty person, you're going to end up smelling like a skunk yourself. So one of the things that I've been praised for, frankly, over the last year or so is people say, I, I can't believe how calm you have been on TV and everywhere else during this whole thing. And I said, my dad always said, never get into a spraying contest with a skunk. The other thing is I worked in public relations for two Fortune 500 companies in Milwaukee. And again, I have a journalism degree. I have two parents who are newspaper reporters. I learned, I learned a lot during all that about the press. Frankly, the media has disappointed me during this past year to some extent too. But I know how to stay on message, and that's important. Um, as a lawyer, I always told younger lawyers, never play the game on someone else's field. Play it on your home field. When you write a brief, um, do it from the strongest point of view that you have, your strongest argument. Don't, don't spend all your time responding to their arguments. You have to do that to some extent but craft your message for the judge so that he or she knows what your strongest arguments are. And the same is true when you deal with the media or you're out in public. Um, start from what's your strongest argument today on this issue? And don't get caught up in tangles with, with other people's arguments. So I, play, I try to play the game on my home field and not on their home field. That's really good advice. And I'm sure too, you're background in journalism and even PR has taught you to be factual, to the point, concise, maybe even brief. And I think that would all go a long I, way too. I try to, I, I, I'm still working on sound bites. You know, when you get in an interview, you don't want to go on and on and on. It frustrates the listeners and it doesn't, and, and, and your points start to get lost. True. But then sometimes sound bites can be taken in the wrong way. So it's well, it's that's down, the problem. Right? Uh, yeah. What I've appreciated are things like this where I have a longer opportunity to speak with people. I had a uh, 
three weeks after the National Guard was in Wauwatosa, I had a, an hour-long interview with the Milwaukee Press Club, and I got grilled by three reporters, and all the other reporters in town were watching it. But it gave me an hour to answer questions and and explain things in some more detail, and that was um, extremely helpful. You know, another question I wanted to ask that I've been asking everyone on this show is about decision making and reaching a consensus, because I, I just sort of feel like the past year and past couple of years have been very fraught when it comes to that. Do you have any um, strategies you would offer in terms of getting people around a table, whether virtual or in person, and actually coming out with a consensus? Well, of course, that's one of the hardest things, one of the biggest challenges any elected official has. Um, it kind of goes back to that corporate and nonprofit philosophy. If you surround yourself with good people, you're going to look better. And if you give them the opportunity to do their good work, you will look good. So first of all, internally at City Hall, we have a terrific staff, just uh, just a wonderful staff. Our finance director is from New Jersey, so I'll give him credit for that. Great. Um, I, I try to listen to them. Uh, I, frankly, I think I'm popular at City Hall because I like the staff and they like me. I give them as much room and praise as I can. Um, but you let good people do good things, and then they bring good things to you. And so we started presenting our budget last night to the city council, and it was, uh, I think, well-received. Uh, the other thing is, um, if you can, allow people to think that whatever your good idea is was their good idea. And then support that. And don't worry about taking credit for it. Because sooner or later, again, you will look good. If the city looks good, the mayor looks good. And if the mayor looks good, it's because people are embracing whatever ideas are floating around. Them. I mean, I have an ego like everyone else, but um, I, I don't need the praise. I just want to see the right things happen. And when the right things happen, people it'll come back around. They'll go, you know what? That mayor's pretty good. Definitely. And I feel like that's applicable on any, any level, whether you're in a leadership role or not. Um, right. Yeah. So I haven't really asked about Princeton. So as we wrap up this episode today, I'm curious, you know, um, how did Princeton prepare you for your career? How did it prepare you for life? Uh, can you take us back to that time, what it was like to be a student here? Well, that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just read my Princeton Alumni Weekly yesterday. Saw a picture of the graduate college. It brought back some memories. Um First of all, it gave me the opportunity to do some reading in areas that uh, I had wanted to read in, but I hadn't had time. So um, I, I remember Dean Stokes, who was the dean at the time, saying, we're not here to make you experts in economics and statistics. We're here to make you intelligent consumers of economics and statistics. So by spending more time in microeconomics and macroeconomics and taking statistics, I became an intelligent consumer of those things, and I'm hardly an expert in that. So that's helped me a lot in my legal practice and uh, as a public official. Uh, I did reading and transportation. That has been extremely important because we're putting a bus rapid transit system in Milwaukee, and the first leg of that will go from downtown Milwaukee to Wauwatosa's Medical Center, the two busiest areas in the Milwaukee area. 
Uh, I fought hard for the BRT line. Uh, I would not have known about transit-oriented development if I hadn't studied that at Princeton. I studied housing. We are uh, working diligently to try to bring more affordable housing to Wauwatosa. Uh, it's a problem across the country, but you know, as our real estate prices go up and up and up, and that's great for homeowners like me, it squeezes out people at the other ends. And the new census shows us that we are diversifying a little bit more than we did, but we're still about 82% white and we're trying to diversify. And the only way we're going to do that is to make sure that we have housing opportunities for everybody. By studying housing at Princeton, I'm better able to deal with that. So that's the sort of thing, uh, and the different areas that I studied in, uh, even things like um, urban history. I took urban history at Princeton and we just had a budget discussion with our health officer and we were talking about clean water. And I said, I referred to the book, The Cholera Years. I said, I read that at Princeton. You might have read that too. I consider it a classic. It really opened my eyes to the need for public sanitation and all. And that was the kind of the beginning of uh, public health departments and all that. So uh, I give a great deal of credit to Princeton for giving me the opportunity to become a more well-rounded um, would-be public official. As the last question I want to ask, what advice would you give to others who just want to make a difference, whether it's running for office, joining a cause, pursuing higher education, whatever that may be, um, what would you tell them? Every day when I was growing up, when we used to have two daily newspapers in Milwaukee, one, the morning paper was the Milwaukee Sentinel. And at the top of the editorial page, was a quote from Edmund Burke, the Anglo-Irish statesman. And it said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. I, I amend that to good people. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good people do nothing. That was pretty much the philosophy instilled in me by my parents. If we are going to have a better society, we must all get involved. What frustrates me greatly is people who have the time and the ability to get involved and they don't get involved and then they just gripe. You can't be a griper. You can't be on the sidelines. You got to get in the game. It's really important for all of us if we care about our democracy and our democracy is under threat right now to really get involved and make sure that evil doesn't happen. You know, I think someone else shared a similar, that quote on a past episode. I need to go listen, but I think it might have been um, Rich Harwood, who I forget yeah. what year he graduated, but he said something very similar. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm an Irish guy, so I yeah. quote the Irishman. Well, Mayor McBride, this has been a fantastic conversation. Is there anything else you want to share before we close out today? That's a good question. That's the hardest question. An open-ended one. Uh, no, I just uh, guess I just really appreciate the opportunity to share some thoughts. At my stage of my career, the most important thing is finding younger people to take the baton. So I've been appointing a lot of younger people to boards and commissions. I have 30 boards and commissions to appoint people to. And uh, I've been finding good people, 30-year-olds uh, who want to take over from the 68-year-olds. So... I told my kids some years ago, we have the oldest commercial building in Milwaukee County in Wauwatosa. It's a frame building called the Little Red Store, built in 1854. It survived a fire and everything else. And I helped to get it fixed up some years ago. And my kids said, why are you doing that? And I said, um, every generation has to take care of what we have. 
So it'll be your turn next. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you again for taking the time today. Thank you. It's been good seeing you. You've been listening to Changemakers, a podcast produced by the Princeton School of Public and International Affairs. This show is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Rose Huber. Listen and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.